right, all right. It is time for another podcast session of the Master Passive Income Podcast. My name is Dustin Heiner. I am your host, and we're going to be talking all about real estate rental properties. Now, with real estate rental properties, we focus on quitting our jobs with the income that we bring in from our rental properties. That is passive income, money that comes in without you working into your pocket every single month because you have money coming in every single month, you will be able to quit your job. I quit my job after just nine years of investing in real estate and you can too. Now today we're going to be talking all about negotiating and how you can negotiate everything in this business and make even more money and become even more wealthy. All right, guys. So let's jump into the show where we talk all about negotiating and how you can grow your business dramatically by negotiating everything. Okay, guys, let's get into it. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Master Passive Income Podcast, where we talk about investing in real estate rental properties with a special focus on making enough money so you can quit your job and live the dream life. And now, here's your host, Dustin Heiner. Hey, what's up, everybody? I am so glad you're here with me on this journey investing in real estate. Trust me, your life is going to be dramatically changed once you start investing in real estate. After you buy your first, second, or even fifth or tenth property, your life gets drastically different and changes because you have so much more money, more time, more control. Now, in looking at your job versus investing in real estate, you have two different ways you're making money. One, with your job, you're making money with active income. You're actively employed and you're getting earned income taxes against that. So you're getting taxed at an earned income rate as opposed to when you invest in real estate, you're getting taxed at a capital gains rate as opposed to an earned income rate. Now, those two are different. Now, a lot of people don't realize this, that when you are working a job, you actually get taxed even more than if you were investing in real estate. And this is a big reason why People say the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Well, it's because of the tax laws, in my opinion. If people like you and me take advantage of these tax laws as the rich do, then we will become rich just like them. Now, what's interesting is I wasn't rich when I got started. I barely had any money. I barely had a decent job that brought enough money for our, my family to live on. But once I started investing in real estate, once I started implementing things that the rich do into my life, my life was drastically changed because I now had the ability to make more money and not pay as much in taxes. You follow along with me and I'm going to show you how you can invest in real estate and become like the wealthy, become like the rich and utilize the tax laws that are already on the books that you just need to implement in your life. One would really simply buying your first real estate rental property and you'll be taxed differently. So your earned income tax is roughly about 35%. Now it varies. We have a progressive or a uh, quote unquote socialist type tax system where the more money you make from your job, the more taxes you pay. Some people on the lower end, they don't pay any money in taxes in, in federal taxes or state taxes because they don't make enough money. Now, as you get more and more money, as you make more and more money, the government taxes you more. So the more money you make, the more money you pay in taxes. Now, let's just say on average, you're paying 35% of your money that you bring home from your, from your job. 35% goes to taxes. Now, 
What else do you get taxed on? Well, you get property taxes. You also have sales tax. Now, in some areas of the country, you're paying as high as 10% sales tax. Then you also have property tax on top of that. And if your sales tax is 8 to 10%, let's just round it up to 10%. Let's just say 10%. With your earned income tax, you're paying 35%. Plus another 10% for sales tax, you're at 45%. That's just earned income tax and your sales tax. But what about property taxes. What about your state taxes? I was just talking about federals, 35% state taxes. Let's add on another, you know, 5%. Isn't that just ridiculous that 50% of your money out of your paycheck is taken by the government and spent however they want. Good or bad, you might like it, you might might not, but just imagine 50% of your money taken away. When you stop to think about it, you actually have to work six months out of the year before you get any money. Half of your money goes to taxes, goes to the government, so half of your year needs to be worked in order to pay the government. The other half of the year is where you finally start making money for yourself, where you can pay your cell phone bill, pay your your mortgage or your cable bill or your car payment. That's what you actually get to live on. So sadly, you have to work half of your life in one year to pay the government. Now, it doesn't always have to be that way. Now, that was with earned income. You're paying that much. But with capital gains income, with passive income, you actually get taxed at a lower rate. Whatever the current tax rate is right now, it's currently 15%. So 15% as opposed to 35%. You know, you can't really get around sales tax unless you do um, go to Oregon where they don't have sales tax, but they have high property taxes. Anyways, the government's always going to get their money. But what you can try to do is utilize their tax laws to your benefit. That's how the rich get richer is because they utilize laws to benefit themselves. And you can do the very same thing. All you need to do is buy one rental property and you get all the benefits of investing in real estate and having an investment business. And that business saves you money from your taxes as well as puts you at a lower tax bracket. Okay, so that was a quick two cents that I wanted to give you guys before we get started in the negotiating tactics. Now let's jump into how you can negotiate in your business to be able to grow your business, to make yourself more wealthy. Now, I get questions all the time about how much somebody should buy a house for, or should they buy this house, or is this house going to make enough money in passive income? Should I actually buy this house? What it really comes down to is, are you going to buy the house right, or are you going to buy it wrong? Now, here's a rule of thumb I want to give you. If you want to invest in real estate, you need to learn that you make your money when you buy the property, you realize the money when you sell the property. Because when you buy the property, you could be spending $10,000 over what you should normally get for the property and you just spent $10,000 that could have been your profit in your pocket. So that's what it means by you make your money when you buy and you realize it. Basically the money goes in your pocket when you sell. So you want to buy right. Now that's one way to negotiate. There are plenty of other ways to negotiate and we'll go into these, but there are plenty of other negotiating tactics um, and ways to negotiate like your property manager. Negotiate with them on how much they they take every single month from your, your rents. So let's say one person charges 10% and you say, hey, how about 9%? Would you would you do it for 9% and negotiate that down? Or even 8% start lower. You can talk to contractors and negotiate prices down. You can talk to realtors and say, hey, realtor, you are asking 3% for your commission. Would you take 2%? 
and you might settle at two and a half percent. So that's money in your pocket. It honestly, it never hurts to ask, and you can only get a no. And if you get a no, you could always come back and negotiate even more. So this is a big, broad picture of negotiating in your business. There's so many more ways that you can actually negotiate to make your business better and better. Now, negotiating can be both an art and a science. There's some steps that you need to go through, but it's also an art and a, a something that you need to learn, and you'll get better as you go about negotiating more and more things. So just about everything in life can be negotiated. It all depends really on the parties involved, if somebody's willing to negotiate. Now, the main goal should be a win-win for all parties involved. So if you're buying a house from somebody or if you are working with a contractor, all of these different types of negotiating tactics should be a win-win. Obviously, you want to get a good deal, but you don't want to stiff the person as well. So work to get a win-win. Now, let me give you four key principles to any negotiation. Number one, never, ever, ever pay asking price. That's my personal opinion. You can pay asking price if you want, but my opinion, everybody's willing to negotiate, especially in real estate. If you have somebody who wants to sell their home for $200,000, you better not pay $200,000. You better get that price down, maybe even $195,000. You save some money. So never pay the asking price. Now, another key principle, number two would be seek to create a win-win scenario for all parties or as best as you can. Obviously, some people are going to be giving in more than others at times, but at the same time, you want to shoot for a win-win. You want to make the person feel like they came out with a good deal as well. Number three is that negotiating is all about a give and take, where you give a little and then you take a little. You give a little and then you take a little. It goes back and forth. You want to work with the person. You want to get them invested in this deal so they don't want to walk away. Number four Lastly, four key principles. The fourth one is never give in without getting something in return. You know, if they say, well, I I agree to your deal, but you have to do this X, Y, and Z. You could say, well, that's great. Yes, I will do that, but you need to give me this. So you never give in unless you get something in return. So these four key principles are pretty self-explanatory as you use your common sense to figure out how to implement it. These are great resources that you can implement in your negotiating tactics. So there are many people who are nervous and shy or even repelled at the thought of negotiating. I'll give you an example. My wife hates negotiating. She hates asking a difference of a penny in anything. She won't do it. That's why she, I wouldn't say that's why she married me, but because we're married, I do all the negotiating. I mean, I figure, hey, it doesn't hurt to ask. Might as well ask. I was just working actually just today with um, somebody offering services. Services were $14,000. And I said, hey, you know, could you come down on the price at all? That's all I asked. I didn't say, can you drop it in half? Can you do X, Y, or Z? I just said, can you come down in your price? It's $14,000 a little high, but can you come down? And without saying anything else, they said, well, we can come down to 12,000. Would you be okay if we did a 12,000? Like, great. I was going to do it for four. I didn't tell them this, but like, great. I was going to do it for 14, but 12,000, that's even better. I just saved $2,000. So just by asking that question, I made $2,000 from that. Obviously it's not making, I didn't actually work and make $2,000. I saved myself. So a penny saved is a penny earned. You know, you've heard that saying, 100% agree with that. So I just saved in one email that took me literally 30 seconds to write, saved me $2,000. And again, I was actually going to pay the 14, but just by asking, I saved two grand. So you need to negotiate the price in terms of products, of services, of contracts, of anything that comes across you where money is involved. 
always negotiate. If you don't negotiate, you're actually leaving money on the table. And that money is actually should be in your pocket. What's really interesting is the most recent property that I purchased, I got the seller to lower the purchase price down by almost 10% off their asking price. Isn't that amazing? That's just money in my pocket. Now, there was a lot more work because it was a real estate transaction, a lot more. I think I bought it for $150,000. They were asking $180,000, so I got them to come down quite a bit, actually over 10% then. Um, So I got them to come down quite a bit, but that's money in my pocket that did not have to come out. I've even negotiating with my renters to get them into a longer lease and terms and having a different rent amount than what they were asking. So you can negotiate everything. So whenever there is any money involved, always negotiate. So here are the ninja hacks that I I call them ninja hacks because they're kind of kind of cool, cool sounding. Anyways, here are the ninja hacks to negotiating anything. Number one, know what you want. So before you enter the negotiation with another party, know exactly what you want as the best case scenario. Your ultimate goal is for you to benefit from the negotiation, obviously. And in order to do that, you need to start with the end in mind. So if, for example, you're looking to buy a property, then you must know the highest price you would be willing to pay for in advance. So let's say you see a property and they're asking $200,000 for the property. But after you running the numbers, you realize that the most you could spend is $175,000 because a penny over that you're going to be eating into your profits and you're not going to be making enough money every single month with your passive income because the expenses are higher, the mortgage is higher. It's just not going to pencil out. So you decide my top dollar is $175,000. Well, you need to know what you want in advance and that's called your set point. If they're asking $200,000 and you at most want to spend one seventy-five, dollars well, that's the very top you can go. Now, You want to plan out the highest price. That's your maximum set point. You want to pay for the property and don't go any higher than that. You need to start at a much lower position than your maximum set point. So if they're asking $200,000, you know the most you want to pay is $175,000. You need to offer like $165,000, $160,000, $160,000 as opposed to starting at $175,000 or starting higher than that because you know you're not going to pay that much. So you want to start lower and because it's it's a give and take where you say, you're asking $200,000, I'm going to give you a $165,000 offer. And they say, well, that's way too low. We'll come down to $195,000 or $190,000. let us say they come down $10,000 to $190,000. Well, you're closer to your $175,000. All you need to do is get them to come down $15,000 more, and then you have your deal. So you're starting at $160,000, then you jump up to, okay, I'll give you $168,000. And you come up. So they gave some and you give some, 168. Now they're at 190. They come down to 180. And you say, this is great. We're almost there. How about let's meet in the middle or let's let's settle on 175. I can't go a penny higher than that. And you stop at 175. And if they won't take it, then they won't take it. But you know the max you want to spend is 175. So don't go above that. So because negotiating is all about a give and take, you need to have room to work with the seller, to work with the buyer. You need to have room. So if you want to sell something for $50,000, you don't start at $50,000 because you know most people are going to negotiate. So start at $55,000, start at $60,000 so you can work your way down. Now, negotiating hack number two. Learn as much as you can about the other party, the other person or the other group or whoever is involved on the other side. If it's your property manager, you're trying to negotiate a lower contract price with them, you know, an 8% instead of 10%. Learn as much as you can about them. If you're buying the house from a seller, learn as much as you can about them. You know, they say that knowledge is power, but really it should say applied 
knowledge is power. The reason why is that you need to know as best as you can. You need to know all the parties involved at the negotiating table with their interests, their desires, their needs, their wants. With this in hand, you can map out beforehand the process you'd like to start the negotiating process. Now, having as much information as possible about the other parties involved will help you to know how to implement their the other hacks that we're going to be talking about. Now, if you know that somebody is wanting to sell their house because they're getting old and they don't want to have the yard maintenance anymore, they want to get to a smaller house and they're not really dying to sell. They just need to sell because they want to move out of the house. Well, that's a di- that's much different than somebody who just got divorced who's trying to sell their house because they don't want to remember the house anymore. They want to get out of it as quick as possible. And so those are different options of how you can start your negotiating tactic because you learned something about the seller. So if the seller wants out really quick, well, you know they're willing to make a good deal if they don't mind staying until they find a really good deal. So you can figure out how best to negotiate the best deal for you. Now, number three, know who has the upper hand. Now, the upper hand, basically somebody has more leverage than the other. So before you enter the negotiation, you need to know who has the upper hand. And that means to you need to know who has the most incentive to give up ground in the negotiating process. Like if somebody is got a, just got a divorce and they have a $200,000 house, so they just don't want to live anymore. They got to get rid of it. They need to fire, sell it really, really quick. Well, you have the upper hand because they just need to sell. Now, again, if it's somebody else that is just trying to downsize, well, they don't really give up the upper hand because they are fine if they stay and they're fine if they move. Now, in just finding who has the upper hand, it may not always stay that somebody has the upper hand. It could be also that the seller has the upper hand and you're trying to buy a property. But through circumstances, the upper hand switches to where now you are in the upper hand. And I actually had this one where I was buying a property in Texas and the seller was, it had it was a really good property. I knew I was going to make plenty of money with passive income as I got rents in that I put an offer and at first they had the upper hand because I thought it was a really, really good property and they were asking a lower, a lower amount. But as I started negotiating with them, they got bought into it and they were, they were basically in with me for like two weeks of the negotiating process and the upper hand turned in my favor because I realized even more and more how much they needed to sell. Initially, I thought, wow, I'm getting a good deal. But over time, I realized that I actually became having the upper hand because they were so invested in this deal that they didn't have anybody else and I was ready to basically get as best of a deal for myself as possible. And it could be that you just don't have the upper hand where the seller has the upper hand. Well, I have the negotiating hack number seven and eight that you're going to look at. You're going to be like, wow, those are good. That changes the upper hand into my pocket as opposed to somebody else's. Like I have the upper hand over somebody else. Now, number four. Big, big one. Don't be afraid to ask. This is, I mean, it's common sense. I completely understand. But like my wife, she would never ask. So don't be afraid to ask. In fact, force yourself to ask, hey, are you flexible on the price? It could be something as simple as that. Are you flexible on the price? And that is indication that, hey, I would like for you to sharpen your pencil and come down on your price. So there are two things you need to remember. You have not because you ask not. And a closed mouth never gets fed. If you don't ask because you're afraid of being rejected and imagine the seller saying no and slamming their fist on the table and saying, oh, I can't believe you gave me such a crappy offer. Well, that very well could happen, but it probably doesn't. I've never had that. I've actually, everything is written in paper and, and, and emailed and so I never see the seller. But if they don't like it, they just don't respond. 
More often than not, they just don't respond. But if you don't ask, you're not going to get it. And you already have a no. Like literally right now, if you don't ask, you already have a no. So why not ask? You might get a yes. Just like I saved myself $2,000 a day just by asking, hey, can you come down on the price? So you already have your answer right now. The answer you have is no. But if you ask, it could turn into a yes. And I said this earlier, but here's a quick tip to help you start the negotiating process in a non-threatening way. Ask this question. Are you flexible on the price? More often than not, this is the one question that will start the negotiation process for you. Just by asking this one question, sellers have dropped their asking price by 5% without me saying an even another word. Just as easy. Hey, are you flexible? If they're not flexible, they say, no, I'm not flexible. This is the firm price. Then you can move on. But almost every single time, actually, I will say, I've literally had nobody ever say, no, I cannot come down. They know in real estate, it's time to be flexible because they want to sell. They know that you want to buy and everybody negotiates in real estate. Number five, next negotiating tactic, shut up. <laughs> super, super simple. Shut up. That's really funny to hear, but it's 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 awesome. Um, awesome advice. I got this many, many years ago. Actually, it was one of my um, buddy's dad was telling how to actually get an increase in your wage. If you want to get a raise, all you got to do is ask your boss for a raise and then don't say a word. So you go into your boss, say, hey, boss, I think I'm doing a great job. I, everything that you asked me to do, I've done. I've done it so well. I believe or I'm requesting that you give me a raise. And then you shut up. That's how, I mean, I pause there for, for uh, dramatic purposes, but you literally pause and don't say a word. Just say, I would like a raise or I believe I deserve a raise. And then you don't say another word. Let the other person talk. And now that could also be negotiating the purchase price. Let's say when you're negotiating and you say, hey, I'll offer you $170,000 for this $200,000 house. You leave it at that. You don't say another word. So this is probably one of the most important hacks or one of the most important ninja hacks that you can actually employ when you're negotiating. Nobody likes an uncomfortable silence in a conversation. You really need to learn to love those uncomfortable silences. It's really weird, but it works. Each and every time you make a request in the negotiating process, make the request and shut up. Don't say, well, hey, boss, can I have a raise? And I would like a raise because don't even do that. Just say, I would like a raise. Once you pitch the words, like, here's my offer of $170,000. Pause. Like, don't say a word. Like, literally wait. Even if it takes five minutes, wait. Now, here's a big tip I'm going to give you. The first person to give in generally loses. The first person to say, well, this is awkward. I'm going to go ahead and say something now. Genuinely loses. They lose the upper hand. Now, here's an example. This is how the conversation could go. This is you. How much are you asking for the property? The seller says $200,000. You respond by saying, are you flexible on the price? And then don't say another word. Like literally don't say another word. It is said that the first person who talks after the proposition, you know, whatever your offer is, is presented, loses. So present your offer, your counter offer, or say, hey, boss, I'd like a raise. And then don't say another word until they talk. You can use this ninja hack in everything, in every negotiating process. So remember, in anything, all you need to do is say, to get started, are you flexible on the price? And then don't say another word. Okay, next, number six, 
Never stop negotiating until the deal is done. Until every penny is paid, never stop negotiating. Just like how you should never be afraid to ask in the negotiating process at the beginning. Don't be afraid to continue to ask for more ground. Again, you have not because you ask not. And unless you ask, you actually say no to you. You already have a no without them even responding. You haven't even given them the option to say yes. So one time I actually got the seller to come down on the property four different times. Each time I asked for more of a discount, the seller dropped again. Then I asked again. Then they dropped again. And one, I said, hey, the foundation. I had a foundation guy come out and he said it's going to cost $2,000 to fix. Would you give up half of that? Would you give $1,000 off the purchase price? And they did. So I kept asking and I kept negotiating. Put all that money in my pocket. Number seven, be willing to walk away at any time and really show it. Really show that you're willing to walk away from the deal. You need to be able to walk away from any deal at any given point. This does not necessarily need to be done from a position of strength. You need to know the maximum amount of ground you're willing to give beforehand so that you don't go above and beyond your set point that we talked about earlier and make a mistake. The mistake would be you know you can't spend a penny more or a dollar more than $175,000, but you offer $180,000. Well, you start losing money because you already know your numbers work at one seventy-five. They don't work at a penny above that, so you don't go above that. And this is why the ninja hack Negotiating hack number one is at the top of the list. Know how much you're willing to spend or know your top dollar. The negotiating process can be used for or against you. The whole process of negotiating creates buy-in from both parties, really. Each has to put in their time and effort, thoughts, emotions, and heart really into the deal. They get invested with the other person. That's a lot invested into negotiating process. And people don't want to feel like they've wasted their time and all the effort they have to get you into a place where you're about ready to buy from them and then you walk away. So when you're about ready to walk away, they may give in even more. So this can be used for or against you. If you're not willing to walk away once you've reached your maximum amount, you may need to be ready to walk away because the price may go above your maximum set point. If you get emotionally charged and you go above your maximum, you've really given up the upper hand. Even if you're not ready or even willing to walk away, you need to show that you can walk away at any given point. It's almost like bluffing where you say, I'm going to walk away, even though you know you absolutely do not want to walk away, but you're bluffing, saying, I'm going to walk away as a negotiating tactic in order to get them to come even more so to the table and lower their price or add in this contingency or whatever it might be. So this forces the other party to reconsider their best offer. And remember, this can be used against you. If somebody's walking away, you may want to say, well, let's uh, let's come back to the table. I can maybe give in a little bit here or there. So remember, that can be also used against you. Number eight, think of yourself as a negotiator for somebody else. The goal in the negotiating process is to not get emotional or too wrapped up in the negotiating process that you are to give away way too much and way and above your maximum set point. So imagine that you are a paid negotiator for another company in your next deal. So if you're going to buy a property, imagine yourself as somebody that's working for the company. You're getting paid to do the negotiation whether it happens or not. You want your client to be happy. You have your guidelines, your maximum set point from your employer and you need to stick to it. This is the attitude and that you need to have and you will show that you are serious about negotiating at the same time willing to walk away from any process. It's basically that you care but not that much. You care about the deal but not so much to give it away. Like you don't have any skin in the game. And one thing that I do is I realize that my company is my family. 
if I make my purchase price higher than what I want, then my company, my family suffers from it. So they, I imagine them telling me, okay, the most you can spend is $175,000, stick to that. And I use them in my mind as the company that I'm working for, my family that I'm working for. If I go above that, I'm going to be eating into their their pockets and not making enough money to provide for the family. So you need to care about the deal, but really not that much. You need to be ready to walk away. So think of yourself as negotiating for somebody else. This will help you to remove all emotion out of the negotiating process and allow you to think more clearly. That's really, really what you want. Number nine. Be patient. Again, if you think yourself as an hourly employee negotiating something for an employer, it doesn't matter how long the process takes. You can get paid either way. This takes even more of your emotions out of the deal, just like you need to shut up after you present the offer to shut up and just wait. Um, Even if it's through email, you present your offer through email, and if it takes two days, just wait. Just keep waiting. And then maybe after five days, you'll get a letter back or an email back saying, hey, you know, how about negotiating this? Just be patient and just wait. So you need to be patient on the other person, letting the other person talk first. Negotiations can be really long or short in duration, and you need to be ready for both. The party in the negotiating process who is the most patient will usually come out ahead throughout this process and gain an upper hand in the negotiating process. Now, number 10, request a last-minute price drop and last-minute discount. At the last minute before you close a deal in the negotiating process, ask for one last change in the deal. It could be something as subtle as saying, in order to get this deal done, I really need you to come down $1,000. I mean, we're almost there. I just need you to drop just a little bit. It could be very straightforward as saying, the deal is off unless you lower the price by $1,000. Um, or it could be just saying, hey, I really need you to come down. If you do it, I'm, I'm in, I'm buying it, and I'm signing right now. So in both scenarios, you're asking for more of a discount, but it's a different tone and different directness. So depending on how the negotiation process is going, usually I tend to be a little more um, uh, polite and say, well, if I, if you could just come down to $1,000 from your asking price, I can, I'll sign right now. Now, remember, again, you have not because you asked not. You want to ask, you already have a no, or you already have the set price. They can only tell you no and if you ask one more time. So do that, ask for a last minute price drop. Now, by using these negotiating hacks, you can dramatically increase the profitability of your business, not just in buying a property for cheaper than you normally would, but also negotiating with realtors, negotiating with property managers, negotiating with contractors. You have somebody comes back and says, hey, it's gonna cost $2,000 to fix this plumbing issue. Say, well, could you do it for 1,500? And then hopefully you negotiate down to where you're only gonna be paying 1,500 or $1,600 for, for whatever work there would be done. As for me, I personally negotiate everything. Everything is flexible, in my opinion. All I need to do is ask. If I go into a grocery store, I could at least ask, and I've done this many times, hey, could I get a discount you know, on this, this product because it's, it's dented or it has an issue with it? Could you give me a discount on it? And the worst they can say is no. Hey, it's the same price. Well, I'm gonna buy it anyway, so no big deal. But why not get some money back? Now, if you employ these ninja hacks into your next deal, you'll fully succeed in getting the lowest price and other perks in the deal. Now, hopefully in this process, you've learned that you can dramatically increase the profitability of your business, your personal wealth, and increase your business capability if you negotiate. So remember, negotiate everything. All right, guys. Again, I'm super excited. Thank you so much for being a part of this Master Passive Income podcast. I'm thoroughly excited that you're a part of this with me. 
Now, just for listening today, I want to give you something special, a free starter kit that's going to get you started investing in real estate. And the way you get it is very simple. Go to masterpassiveincome.com forward slash free course. And this free course is actually going to take you step by step through the process of getting your first rental property and building your rental property business. All right, guys, thank you so much for being a part of the show. If you haven't already, would you please subscribe, rate and review? I really appreciate it. And I'll see you guys soon. Get out there and start investing.